Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Learn Lead Thursday. We're trying to keep the intros condensed here so that we get right into the interviews and stay tuned for an outro where we'll be talking and recapping kind of the interview and what's going on in our lives as well. So with that being said, I got two words for you. David Meltzer. He's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. Billion with a B. And he teaches us just how to do that in this episode. Landon, what you got for us? Guys, just lock in for the next 30 minutes because he goes on a roll. Bring your pen and paper. You're going to enjoy this one. All right, super excited for this one. We got David Meltzer in the virtual studio, featured on ESPN, TEDx, Forbes, Bloomberg, the whole nine yards. David, how's it going? Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, I appreciate being here. It's been an amazing day. I feel so blessed for the opportunity to share whatever wisdom and lessons that I've learned with everyone. Awesome. So let's dive right into it. I'd love to learn more a little bit more about your sports and entertainment industry first. Absolutely. So sports has always been a big part of my life. And the initial uh, focus of sports to me was to be a professional athlete. Uh, and the lessons that I've learned from trying to be a professional athlete is, number one, everyone has potential. Uh, and that doesn't mean they have the potential to be a professional athlete, even if they have what I call the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of that potential. And that's what professional football was to me. In fact, I always tell people that's the closest I've come to reaching my potential was to be an average Division three college football player. And when Christian Okoye ran me over uh, my freshman year, I realized my mom was right, doctor, lawyer, or failure. And I, you know, really love sports though. And I thought for sure that sports would be in my profession as a doctor. I'd be a, a sports doctor, but I found out they had to be in hospitals too. So I hate hospitals. So then I thought, well, I'll be a lawyer, maybe an agent, but my main goal was to make money. So I went and became an oil and gas litigator, but actually took a higher paying job selling legal research online. And even though people, you know, don't understand the reason I ended up running the most notable sports agency in the world is from the very start as a young executive. I was a millionaire nine months out of law school selling legal research online. Every chance I could get to incorporate sports into my business, I took. So I hired when I had to hire speakers. They were sports stars. When I had hospitality events, they were at sporting events or they were sporting events in itself, you know, bocce ball tournaments or whatever. Sports was always integrated. And so although I was more a customer of the sports business, I was learning the sports business. I was developing skills. I was gaining knowledge, not just knowledge of how the sports business worked, but knowledge of who was involved in the sports business and what spheres of influence would I need to utilize in order to effectuate my dream of actually, you know, having that be part of my business, not as a, a customer. And sure enough, I ended up, uh, you know, my company sold for $3.4 billion to Thomson Reuters. And I went to the Silicon Valley and learned to raise money. Once again, Sports was a huge part as a customer, sponsorship, advertising. And even when I was CEO of the world's first smartphone, you know, we sponsored the World Cup as Samsung. We uh, had hired tons of people for signings and appearances and inspirational speeches. I've always picked sports guys. And so when I met Lee Steinberg, he realized that I had the skills that it took, the knowledge that it took, and the desire to work in sports to leapfrog or 
laterally move into one of the most uh, sought after jobs in the world, which was running Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. And that's where I continue to use this methodology in sports to meet uh, Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, who was a partner as he went into the Hall of Fame with Lee Steinberg and became close associate and friend of mine, where we built a marketing and media company together over the last 11 years called Sports One Marketing. And even beyond that, I've actually took what I learned from being in sports so long and how I built brands for celebrities, athletes, and entertainers in sports, how I built brands for big companies and small companies and new products and old products, and how I built brands for charities within sports to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. In the last three and a half years, I used all of those skills, knowledge, and my desire to build my own brand just to empower a billion people, over a billion people to be happy. So my whole life, that idea of capability and sports as a backdrop, not as a profession, is the lesson that I've learned. And I try to teach other people as they give me the whole, I want to work in sports. That doesn't mean anything to me. What is your skills, knowledge, and desire? And how can we utilize sports as a backdrop to integrate those skills, knowledge, and desires to make money, help people, and have fun? What was a day-to-day operations look like as the CEO of this sports agency? So when I was with Lee Steinberg, it was mostly managing two different things. One, the sports agents who were recruiting, maintaining, growing the sports agentry business with baseball, football, uh, coaches, whatever that was. Then the second part was in the business development side, which helped eventually evolved into the idea of sports one marketing, where what Lee called special projects. And so those projects were social change projects that would make money to help people and have fun, which really became my major focus. Uh, you know, one of the difficulties of running a sports agency is that you have to manage a lot of people and a lot of egos. Uh, and a lot of those people and egos don't have situational knowledge or experience, which make them difficult people and egos to deal with. Uh, on the special project sides, on the other chance, you're helping create social change by working with companies, corporations, and executives. And it was not only more profitable, but it had a lot bigger impact. And for me, it was a lot more fun because it still utilized all the relationships, capital, and the backdrop of sports that I love from going to the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, all the things that I loved about sports, I could integrate into the special project side of the agency, but I never really liked the actual practice of representation of athletes, celebrities, and entertainers. So reverting back to the ego uh topic, what are some ways that you yourself were able to let go of your own ego? Well, that's a continual life practice of my own. Uh, And the awareness happened about 14 years ago while I was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment uh, from my father, my best friend, my wife, my mom, trying to raise my awareness that I was in my own way, that I was lost, that I had a terrible need to be uh, right. I had a terrible need to be offended. I had a terrible need to be separate, inferior, superior, angry, anxious, frustrated, worried, uh, resentful, guilty. All of these different needs of the ego, not only did I have, but I was surrounding myself with people 
and those people had those same ideas. So it was exasperated. It became compounding and in interest the same way positive uh, effect has on you. The negative was having on me and it resulted into a lot of interference corrosion between me and the great source of light, love and lessons that I have today. And I'm continually practicing to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of that potential, that truth in my life. Yeah, well said. I think that's a big topic to talk with a lot of these big time entrepreneurs that I hear constantly. It's a how can I find a way to let go of my ego to make sure that no one's trying to manipulate each other. And I think that's a great point that you brought up. Now I want to segue a little bit into I, I consider myself a little bit uncultured on the the movie side of things. I know the movie Jerry Maguire was an inspiration from the sports agency. Do you mind explaining what that movie was about and the the role that you played in creating that? Yeah, so my role is over-exaggerated by many, so I'd love to to deal in the truth. Uh, Cameron Crowe created Jerry Maguire. He followed Lee Steinberg, the guy who founded Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. I was the CEO of that firm. They had already come out with the movie as I came in, uh, so... Uh, they, you know, as a PR and marketing uh, tool, I've been the CEO of the firm that they created the movie about and Lee Steinberg. So, um, you know, I, I love it because we, I just did one of those uh, two, two truths and a lie. And the two truths and a lie, I said, they made the movie Jerry Maguire about me. I was CEO of Samsung's first phone division, first smartphone, and I was born in the same hospital as LeBron James and, and Steph Curry. And everybody always guesses that I wasn't the CEO of the world's first smartphone for Samsung. And lo and behold, the, the lie is they made Jerry Maguire about me. <laughs> I appreciate you shedding light on that as well. So now fast forward a little bit, you're building businesses, you're the CEO of a bunch of companies. Now you're expanding your entrepreneurial impact. So now where does this mission come from of trying to empower over 1 billion people to be happy? And how do you intend to achieve that? That's a great question. So what I started realizing through my career, the ups and the downs, you know, I was a multimillionaire in my twenties, lost it all in my thirties, gained it back. And I gained it back by shifting the paradigm of giving. Instead of giving to receive, I shifted the paradigm to be radically humble, to receive so I could give, to allow things to come through me with appreciation, gratitude, and adding my values to it and giving it away. To move from a world of not enough, not enough of everything, into a world of just enough, just enough for me where I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, into this abundant world that I've lived in the last 14 years, an abundant world of happiness, where there's more than enough of everything for everyone. And so, I started thinking, well, how could I help people be happy? And what if I could create a collective consciousness of over a billion people that were happy? Happiness is an incredible thing. People that are happy aren't sick. People that are happy aren't angry. People that are happy, they give more. People that are happy receive more. People that are happy don't attack other people. They don't have judgments or conditions placed. Well, happiness is the greatest disease of all time. In fact, happiness is the most viral disease too. I can share happiness just by simply people witnessing happiness. It also strengthens us mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It actually strengthens our immune system. So happiness actually protects us against other viruses. And I thought, okay, so how am I going to do this? Over a billion people is a lot of people. And then I remember Steve Jobs teaching me as in my 20s, David, you got to connect the dots backwards. And so I started thinking about this big, audacious, outrageous idea of how one little humble person could change the world, 
create an unconscious competency, a collective consciousness of happiness so that everybody saw the light, the love and the lessons in everyone. And everybody saw that pain was just an indicator that we have a lesson to learn. Mental, physical, spiritual, emotional pain was just an indicator, a turn signal that you got a better way to go, a better position to get to a better place. How could I do this? And I thought to myself, you know what? I can impact a thousand people like Landon and Antonio. I can impact those guys so much that they can impact another thousand people to impact another thousand people. Because a thousand times a thousand is a million and a million times a thousand is a billion. And me, humble, average human, by focusing clearly, balancing it with my intention, I could impact a thousand people in my lifetime. I knew it to be true. And by doing so, I could change the world. And so I've been doing trainings for over 20 years. I shifted my sales trainings that I did for free for 20 years into the road to revenue and happiness training because I believe happiness is derived by making a lot of money to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I'm not saying that money buys love and happiness, which I thought throughout almost all my 10s, 20s, and 30s. But I'm saying that if you make a lot of money, it allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things that I can teach you to do and utilizing systematically the ways to create productivity, accessibility, and gratitude in your life, if you can do that, you can shop for the right things and shopping for the right things in our lives, wanting the right things, knowing your what, and filling the vacuum of expansion with the what, you will be happy. And that's what I teach. And that's why it's so popular. That's why it's working. That's why there's so many people, even in these compressed times of uncertainty and change, that are happy right now. Tony and I, every week, we do a sticky note of of the week, sticky note of the day. And the sticky note that we used this, this past week was talking about fear. And I, and I pulled a Tony Robbins quote, uh, use fear or it will use you. Would you be able to shed light on fear in our everyone's lives, entrepreneurs' lives, day-to-day folks' lives, and, and, and your whole position and take on, on the subject of fear in general? In order to understand fear, you have to understand the difference between motivation, transition, and inspiration. Fear is a motivator. And that's what Tony's referring to when he says you have to use fear. It'll destroy you. Uh, and if we use fear to motivate us, uh, to get us up, to get us back up, to get us started, to get us back started, that's terrific. Because at every time somebody needs a boost of energy, they need a boost of fuel, we need a breakthrough, but it's not going to get you there because fear, fear is corrosion and interference to the greatest source of light, love, and lessons. Fear is an interference to inspiration. Fear creates that interference between that and that which is in spirit or inspires us. Fear will get you up but it's not going to get you there. It's going to soul suck you. It's going to move you down in a direction or accelerate you in a direction that you don't want to go. So for me, I utilize fear as a motivator and then transition it by practicing ending it. So I allow fear to get me up, get me started, get me restarted, get me back up. But I immediately transition it by a practice of ending fear, which is a four-step process of being a ferocious Buddha. And what do I mean by that? Number one, if I can identify fear, I can utilize it to motivate me. I can transition it then and identify the needs to be right, offended, separate, inferior, anxious, frustrated, angry, fearful, worried, whatever it may be that motivates us, gets us up, gives us backups, gets us started, get us back started. But I then can transition it by stopping. The transition happens that I now have identified the ego, the fear. Now I'm going to stop, which is the ferocious part of being a ferocious Buddha. I stop. 
the acceleration in the wrong direction, the creation of interferences, void shortages and obstacles between me and this great source of everything, abundance, light, love and lessons. And then I drop the third step like a Buddha. I breathe through my nose, out through my mouth. I ask myself, why do I feel this way? Why do I have to use anger or frustration or worry or anxiety? Why, why, why? And I use understanding my higher thought, my higher power of thinking in order to elevate my awareness, my vibration and my frequency so that why I can roll with all of the force of inspiration with Without interference, void shortages and obstacles, without gatekeepers, with only sponsors and power sponsors, the connectivity of all of the universe and the abundance of everything for everyone in the right direction. So understanding motivation, transition and inspiration, understanding fear, number one, is a motivator. And then two, the transition with stop, drop and roll. Now we can utilize inspiration as it's meant to be with a clear connection to the greatest source of power, light and love that we were meant to have. In other words, be happy. How the hell? Have you gotten to the point where this is how you go on a roll like that? Because I realize what I'm connected to. So w- once I stop trying to create these ideas and I allow them mm-hmm. to go through me for others, when I have cleared that interference between me and the greatest source of light, love and lessons, then these things come through me. If you ask me after this interview in 14 short minutes from now, what the hell I just said, I will have no idea. Because I'm just an expression of genius. I'm not a genius. I'm connected to genius. I'm connected to the infinity, the all-knowing. And I practice ending the interference between me and that with radical humility to understand that this stuff is coming through me, not for me or to me or from me. And when I have that allowance combined with the ferociousness of persistence and consistence, and it's a great blend of people, it took 52 years of my life to figure out how I could maintain that aggressive, persistent, consistent behavior that made me an average division three football player, how I could combine that with patience and allowance. That was the secret sauce to be able to create the law of Goya, get off my ass every day with the law of attraction to allow it to happen. David, teach us your ways, sir. What what are some books? What are some books and some audios that we have to listen to immediately after this podcast to make sure that we're on the same wavelength as you? Well, I would love for you to read "Connected to Goodness," my first book, "Compassionate Capitalism: Game Time Decision Making." Unstoppable. I wrote with Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul, creating the life you love. But the books that I read to build those books are more important than mine. Number one, you know, read anything by Dale Carnegie. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, I read every day. A Course in Miracles, I read every day. Wayne's Dyer, Power of Intention, I listen to every day. Uh, You know, Atomic Habits uh, is another one. Surrender Experiment. All are aligned with these philosophies, and there's many, many more. Obviously, that's a good couple, two weeks of reading for anybody that's a voracious reader, but those were the ones that I would start with, and those are the ones. Remember, most importantly, whether you read, listen, watch, it doesn't matter. Surround yourself with the right people and the right ideas. The start will be take inventory of your values and know your what, and if you know your what, then you can go find people that have your what. You can find books that have your what. You can find podcasts and audio that have your what. Go check out the playbook. I take a system 
systematic approach like Napoleon Hill, over 400 of the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, thought leaders of the world being able to share their playbook to success, the common denominators that you find, like you must be what you can be, how inspired in the tricks and trades of how they deter and stop the interference in their life, how they practice ending fear, what fear means to them, what motivation, transition, and inspiration means to them. All of these different things come under the context that you have to be more interested than interesting, know your what, find where your what is, and go ask for it or ask how you can learn to do it. You talk about, when you talk about leadership and things, I've heard content of you talking about staying in your sandbox or finding your room, I think was the quote from you. Can you talk about what finding your room means? Well, finding your room has to do with those values that I talk about is your room, your reality is based upon your values. And most people try to balance those values. I say balance a weight of those values, meaning you have personal values every day that change. You are a hypocrite, meaning you are blessed to be a hypocrite, meaning that you're growing and accelerating. And if you're not the same person as you were yesterday, good for you. If you're not in the same room that you were in yesterday, good for you. And so find that room that you're in today. Personal values creates the one wall. Experiential values creates the second wall. Giving values creates the third wall. Receiving values creates the last wall. That is your room for the day. Is it the same room you were in yesterday? No. Hopefully it's a bigger and better room. Hopefully that you have the confidence to be a hypocrite and tell people, you know what? I didn't know what I didn't know. My room is a better color today. My room has bigger windows today. My room has a better sound system today. Whatever it may be, you are constantly in a room that you know that there's a better room out there and you're going to angle through your values all day long to get to a better room tomorrow and know that even though you're looking and thinking what that room looks like, that you have faith blended in with that, that that room will be even better than what you perceive it to be. Not worse, not equal to, but actually better. So I'm always in a room that I know uh, I'm I'm happy with, but I know I have a better room waiting for me and I'm going to angle towards that better room. And I have faith that the room's going to be even better than I think it's going to be. Now, you're obviously this insanely high energy guy that continuously just continues, just has this mission of providing value nonstop and keeping their energy up. But obviously, you're also a human. And there are times where you probably don't feel 100% as well. What keeps David Meltzer going in those times? What internal and external motivation do you lean on when you're not feeling great? I lean on what I'm connected to, right? This is where people, they, they make the mistake of if biochemically I don't feel 100%, I lean on what I'm connected to. Not just the great source of power, right? That I have more power in my pinky, enough power in my pinky to light up all of Manhattan. I know that. So I go ahead and see if I'm not feeling 100%, I know my baseline, I know my frequency. If I'm not at my highest frequency, I then go explore what's interfering with my frequency, but not only what I'm connected to, but what's connected through me to others. And that allows me to not only clear the connection to the source, but it clears the distribution connection as well in case I'm creating interference voids and shortages in distribution that's causing a a backflow or a clog in my system. Because the greater we flow, the greater we expand, the greater we expand, the bigger the vacuum, the better we know what we want, the better we fill that vacuum with what we want, which means that our future is going to be more of what we want than what we don't want. If we allow that vacuum to be created and that hole is not filled with what we want, filled with what other people want or what we don't want, we are setting ourselves to move to a room that's not as nice as the one we're in, even though we think, say, do and believe all the right things. 
What is a typical day in the life for David Meltzer during the during Monday through Friday? And then what does a typical day in the life look like for you on the weekends? It's the same all seven days. So I have two routines. Uh, the first is a set routine uh, that nothing changes, meaning I'm sleeping in my bed. That routine runs like this. I wake up at 4 a.m. I meditate for 20 minutes. I get ready for 10 minutes. I then exercise for one hour. I then come home and spend the next hour doing research. That means studying my calendar, executing on the formula, the mathematical formula of luck, attention plus intention equals coincidence. And then from that, I go to an hour of at dead time, just family. Then I execute on the student of the calendar for the rest of the day till 445, where then I do coaching calls. And then I go ahead and turn off for an hour and a half with my family. Then I do another hour of research. Then I have a wind down routine that makes sure that I am asleep by 11 o'clock, which guarantees I'll be up at 4 a.m. exactly the next day. The second routine is much more important. It's an adaptable routine. It understands that I am not a computer, that I may sound like an over uh, obsessive, compulsive, ridiculous moron when it comes to time, but I'm not because I live in the Meltzer kaleidoscope of a lens of productivity, of how much value I can provide others, a lens of accessibility, of how accessible am I to others and how am I accessing what I want, and most importantly, a lens of gratitude. So I'm always finding the light, the love, and the lessons in everything that I do. But sometimes I have friends that come in town or there's an emergency or something changes and I have to have an adaptable routine. Adaptable routine starts with the non-negotiables. Number one non-negotiable of my life is a minimum of an hour a day on my health. The second non-negotiable is a minimum of 30 minutes a day with my wife, a minimum of 30 minutes a day with my 10-year-old son, a minimum of two minutes a day with my three teenage daughters. Yes, I negotiated for five, but they should have run Lee Steinberg because they were better negotiators than me. They got me down to two. And then most importantly, I spent a minimum of one minute a day with my mom to tell her four things as you should tell everyone that's closest to you every day that I'm happy, I'm healthy, I love her, and I appreciate her. Those are the four things that we need to communicate with all those people that are most relative to us in order to stabilize the connection between us, to get rid of the insecurity or the interferences or voids or shortages, to create the backflow if we're not flowing all that great energy to them. These two routines are essential. You come up with your set routine seven days a week. Remember, two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. That's why my relationship with my teenage daughters are so great, because every day I've consistent, persistent, and between us in the pursuit of our relationship, a clearer connection of all this great wisdom, light, and love that I have and that they have, and we share it between us. And I know we're on a strict time schedule here, so I want to make sure that you plug in and talk about your free Friday training sessions. Do you mind explaining a little bit more on that? Yeah. So 20 years ago, I started training people in sales. That was my superpower, how to stimulate interest, transition interest, share vision, and manage and develop that vision so your life would thrive. 14 years ago, when I shifted the paradigm of value and came up with my mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy, I started to train people on a road to revenue of happiness, meaning how do you make a lot of money to help a lot of people and be happy, enjoy your life? And that's actually the motto of all my businesses. And through that, I started doing trainings for my company and then the community. And so every Friday for the last 14 years, I've been serving lunch in my office uh, to hundreds of people. And when COVID hit, uh, people were very concerned that they weren't going to get their free training. So I utilized Zoom and lo and behold, thousands of people showed up. Thousands of people that had been employees, interns, community members showed up. Thousands. And 
now it has grown and grown and grown. And I do it all for free. I don't give free lunch anymore. It's hard virtually. Uh, but I'm o- open to a, to, a, to a lunch sponsor. If somebody wants to give people gift cards, that's fine. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I've been doing it now and it just grows and grows. I give free books, free exercises and guides, free uh, uh, training. And all you have to do is email me, david at dmeltzer.com. I also have a text community, 949-298-2905. Come join me for free. You can watch the replays on The Playbook, which is my podcast. Check that out. It's actually, I'm proud, beyond you know the Ray Lewis's and Cameron Diaz and Dan Aykroyd's and Deepak Chopra's that are on my podcast. The number one downloaded podcast is my training now. And uh, what a blessing it is that hundreds of thousands of people will view, listen, and watch my podcast. And it's featured on Spotify as well as every other platform out there. So please join me for my free training every Friday. And if not, catch the replay. David, on on behalf of of Anthony and, and all our listeners and myself, obviously, thank you for your time and thank you for your wisdom. Um, I know that our listeners are have gotten a ton of value out of this, and I hope they had the pen and paper out, as Tony says. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave our guests with? We have about this in a, in a thirty second window. Anything you want to leave our guests with? Any one liners that, that stick with you that, that just drive you forward? Uh, anything you want to leave our guests with? Yeah, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Boom, David. Thank you so much for coming on and. Uh, allowing us to listen to such an accomplished person and really take as much as we can from you so thank you so much and have a great day everyone tune into those friday training sessions and really plug into what david's doing because he's impacting a lot of lives and we're going to get to that billion number a lot quicker than you think thank you so much once again thanks to you guys thank you for being one of my 1000 have a wonderful day take care That's something else. That whole time, that the entire interview was like I was just jaw dropped. It was insane. Just nonstop nugget after nugget. It was unreal. Yeah, man. I tell you, we got some quotes written down. I'll give a couple from from a couple takeaways that we wrote down. Receive to give. Happiness is the greatest disease. Fear will get you up, but it won't get you there. I'll let you finish the last three that we have here. Being a ferocious Buddha. I like that one. I think I wrote that one down. Your reality is based on your values, and then you are a hypocrite. I like it all. He is he is unreal. You I'm so are gl- a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He, it. It's just I'm so glad I took the leap of faith to DM him on Instagram. Honestly, that was the way. I if you guys are really trying to grow something, DM people on Instagram. Right now, they're all running their own Instagram accounts, and they're willing to give back. Guys like David loves doing these things because they want to give back to people and see them be in their shoes one day. And just so excited that we were able to connect with him. Yeah, we're going to have some of his information in the description as well. And Absolutely. And don't forget to tune into his free Friday training sessions, which the link will be in the bio. 
let's transition to what's going on in our lives. Well, we don't stop to, watching. You don't. You don't stop watching Entourage, man. I'll tell you what, dude. I can't. I, I've watched since I went down to visit you. We were. On, I, I started at season two when I visited you. I'm now on season seven, episode five, halfway through it, and don't ask why I know that, but it's uh, it's been keeping me up and uh, it's definitely been impacting my my life and my sleep. There's something <laughs> but it's about, so good, oh, dude. There's something about being like. It's like relatable when you're a young guy too and you have a bunch of buddies and you just imagine like if, if that was your group of friends and the way these guys – Mark Wahlberg wrote the show and he bases a lot of the stories off of all his you know his experiences when he came to LA with his entourage. So it's just a cool – I mean I'm sure some people listening to this have heard it. Some haven't but it's definitely not something to watch with the kids around uh, <laughs> but it's it's a good little good little 20, 25-minute episodes and uh, – Really well done. They spent a lot of money on the show, high budget for sure. So yeah, they got so many famous people. So literally, so many. Tom Brady was just on it too. And uh, did I ever tell you the story of how I how I got a pictures with Mark Wahlberg and his entourage, and I did the movie premiere for Ted Two? No, what? Yeah, it was awesome, man. My my good friend's dad does the sound for all the Universal Studios uh, premieres, and so I did the sound. I helped him set up the equipment and stuff, and so I got to run the premiere. I handed the, the the microphone to Seth MacFarlane to do the 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 introduction to everything. We got to watch the movie and then Holy we just shit. were just drinking at the after party, meeting Mark Wahlberg, Liam Neeson, Seth MacFarlane, all these people. It was so fun, man. It was sick. What so what did you do? Like what was like how did you get in with there in that? Like a buddy a buddy of yours dad just hooked you up with a with a with a spot? Did you ask no, or what? Yeah, no, he needed he needed people to help set up the equipment. And so we were there from like five AM setting up equipment. But then we're partying all day, not partying, but like we're, we're able to experience the red carpet. Then we, we go to the after party and then we just have to take down at the end. Sometimes we didn't even have to. There was one time we worked Kevin Hart's premiere for The Secret Life of Pets, got to meet him. I worked the, uh, the premiere for Pop Star and Never Start Popping. Uh, that was a funny ass movie with uh, Andy Samberg. And I told him, I was like, yo, that's my boy. It was my favorite movie. He's like, eh, it was all right. Like, what? You just broke my heart, Andy. You broke my heart. <laughs> Didn't didn't want to get didn't want to stay in the showbiz, Tony. No, no. One day maybe we'll see. Never know. Let's talk about let's talk about High Life Sports Podcast, man. We were on there for a solid forty five minutes. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. It was. Uh, if you guys want to see a unique perspective of something that was some things that we don't talk about on this podcast, and Landon's hot take on Cam Newton doing absolutely nothing this year. Uh, that was awesome. That was super funny. But that was a really good podcast. We shot the shit. And it was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. It wasn't like our yeah, exactly what you said. It's not how we usually do things, but it was cool to to go into a different world, different setting, be able to be ourselves in a different light. You know, everyone has some type of uh I mean, I try to be very authentic in in like how I am in general, but I'd say I'm definitely a little bit more tight to the chest on here, a little bit more try to be a little more professional. But on there we were kind of able to be more of our of ourselves and our buddies kind of thing. So that was cool. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. High Life Sports Podcast with Nikki C and Elm. Great guys. Sticky note of the day. Landon, what you got for us? If it's Tony Robbins, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> Logan Sneed, one of one of our soon-to-be guests on here. Uh, we had a we had a show with him uh about a week ago, and he says, He who chases two rabbits never catches one. One, one thing at mentor, a time. One of my mentors tells me that all the time. Really gotta hone in on mastering one thing first. And it's a, it's a funny feeling when you start to look back on it. 
What do you got for us? Okay, so this is in a book called that I'm reading called The Lost Commandments. So apparently that there's 20 commandments instead of the original 10. The first one says, Thou shalt share thyself with others by expressing your authentic emotions and thoughts. It's all about honesty and transparency being the driving force in our lives. And we have to be as open as possible so that people can be open with us and that we could actually be helped. If we're not fully authentic and open, people can't help us. There's no, we're doing everyone a disservice. I like what it says here. Too often we assume that our loved ones know how we feel about them, but vocalizing our emotions make, makes all the difference in the world. It's incredible if we just choose to be honest and open with people at how much of a difference it makes. And that's why Landon and I's friendship just works so well. There's never any, any animosity. If we don't like something, it's like, dude, I don't like that. That's stupid. But it's never any hard feelings with something. That's why I think we work so well together. If everybody here could hear the conversations that go on when we're not recording and stuff like that, they'd probably oh, get a kick out of it. <laughs> it would be a comedy podcast in its own. Probably more entertaining than this one. <laughs> probably. Honestly, probably would be. But again, like we always say, we may not be the best, you know, the best guys out here running our mouths, but that's why we have these great guests like like David and, you know, we've had Mike, Michael Lopez soon to come and, and you know, Logan Sneed, Dr. Sean Pastich, with so many good, so many awesome people, man. That was, uh, I mean, who else? There's a, we had a pastor, Pastor Mike on. Mm-hmm. That was uh, it's something else. Just really, really good stuff. And David's guy just introduced us to 28 brand new entrepreneurs that he's going to help us have on the podcast. So you guys are in for an absolute treat. So please keep on giving us feedback. We're super excited to just keep on grinding and continuing this and growing this community and making this big. And uh, the goal is to we be asked to be on other people's podcasts one day. You know, we did one. Now let's keep on going, man. I love it. Music to my ears, man. Yes, sir. All right. Everyone have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and keep on crushing it until next week. to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guests coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe.